So uh, there have been times where uh, I have coined our house, the projects. Uh, the reason for that is because of the amount of projects that need to be done uh, and have been done at my house. Now, I love to do things, right? All of a sudden, one Thanksgiving, we decided to renovate. Out of nowhere, I grabbed my sledgehammer and we were renovating the basement. Like, out of nowhere. And I got really excited about that. There's nothing more exciting than ripping walls off and, you know, you know almost electrocuting yourself and all that stuff in the process. That's, that's a lot of fun. And the idea of a big project is just exciting. And uh, so we've done that a number of times in our little cape. Uh, and, and I've done a lot of projects. Now, done might be an overstatement. I suffer uh, from what they call 7-8 syndrome, which means love to rip walls off and come up with new projects, but that last piece of molding never gets caulked, right? And you just stare at it, and you go, I got to do that. I got to finish that. And then years go by, and you're like, remember when I said I had to finish that? Well, I still got to finish that. Uh, that's kind of a problem that I have, that 7-8 issue. Like right now, we have something in our bathroom. The bathroom's beautiful, except for there's one piece of molding that's not there because it broke like three months ago. Why finish it when you can start something new, right? Anyway, so that's kind of an issue with me. Like I start something, but I don't always continue it to completion. I think maybe some of us struggle with that in other areas of life, maybe in home ownership, but might also be a struggle for us spiritually. Right? We start by believing and embracing and submitting our lives to Jesus. And then somewhere along the line, we get derailed. Right? We're, we're, almost, uh, we're, we're almost going back in our relationship, like we take Jesus for who He is, and then somehow we continue to live our lives almost on the basis of human effort, which Jesus actually freed us from. Or maybe we receive Jesus, but then there's something else that we feel like we've got to add to Jesus, right? To truly grow and develop spiritually. Like as if Jesus himself isn't enough. But for whatever reason, uh, we are people who receive and begin, get all excited, yay, rah, 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 and then sometimes find ourselves struggling as to know what to do next. That's really where we are in this letter. Paul is in this pivotal moment in the book. He's laid some significant foundations, gospel realities, which he does in most of his letters, right? That's the structure. And now, there's a, like other letters, there's a shift. There's a pivot. Not some, we're not going in a new direction. We're talking about the very same things. There's somewhat of a shift in a new direction. And what we're seeing here is that Paul is correcting the Colossians. I believe tonight he may even be correcting us in a struggle that we have, not responding appropriately to what we have received. 
in Jesus Christ. So once we have received Jesus, what do we do next? What is the appropriate response to receiving Jesus? Colossians chapter 2, 6 and 7. Two short verses. I will do what only Houdini can do. Take something very short and simple and make it long and complex. Shall we go in? Colossians chapter 2, 6 through 7. Paul says this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. You see how this is a pivot. It's a transition. The therefore is being laid down in response to all that has come prior. Now, what you're seeing here is a wonderful reality. right? The Colossian Christians, when they believed in Jesus, received Jesus. Right? They go together, believing and receiving. We see that in John chapter 1, where John is writing that to all who received Him, those who believed in His name, to them He gave the right to be called children of God, right? So this believing in Jesus and receiving of Jesus goes hand in hand. They go together. And if you look back at the opening part of the book, you see that Paul is praising God the Father because of their faith in Jesus. The Colossian Christians. Right? So we're, we're talking about people uh, that have believed in Jesus. They had heard the word through Epaphras, right, the servant of God, who, who proclaimed the message of Jesus, the true message about Christ, proclaimed it to the Colossians, and the Colossians heard it in their ears. They were taught something that they didn't know, and they said, yeah, I believe that. That's true. I'm giving my life to that. This Jesus, all that He is and all that He's done, I believe it. I receive it. And in receiving it, by implication, you see that God is giving it. Right? They're not being earned. It's not being bought. But that in, by faith, Jesus is a gift that is received by those who simply trust and rely in His name. When they believed in Jesus as Lord, they received Jesus as Lord. These are true statements. And that's exactly what's happening here, right? Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, and don't miss the titles, right? Christ, Jesus, Lord, <laughs> right? His name, those are, that's who He is. He's, he's the long-awaited, awaited, anointed King of Israel that was sent, that was promised long ago. Jesus is the one. Jesus, Yahweh saves. The Lord saves. 
So that even though we were, were those who were uh, in our sin and, 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 and separated from God and subject to the wrath, wrath of God, right? That Jesus, being that long-awaited anointed king, who is now, his very name means Yahweh saves, Jesus is the one that saves us from our sin. That which we could never save us from ourselves. And he, of course, is the Lord, right? They would say at that point that everyone would declare that Caesar was Lord. Right? Or that Yahweh, from the Jewish perspective, was Lord. Well, that's Jesus. And so what we see here is that was proclaimed to the Colossians, and that was embraced by the Colossians. They believed it. They received it. And that's the foundation that's laid before any... Right? It's almost a summary statement. Everything that I've said, you receive that. Becomes a foundational statement before any any other commands or demands or requirements are given right before a gospel response is expected of us a gospel reality is laid out before us right isn't that wonderful right we're not expected to do anything if we've not been radically saved and transformed by jesus right that's religion right that's that's what we've been saved from that's human effort. We don't have what it takes to be saved. right? But Jesus has accomplished all that is necessary for our salvation. And when we trust in Him, He gets it done. That foundation is laid. That gospel reality is set before us before any gospel requirement or response is asked of us, right? That's what's wonderful. God never asks us to do anything that He is not willing and able to accomplish in us and through us by the power of His Spirit. Right? Love that. That's there. They'd received Christ. And the same goes for us. When we believe in Jesus, we receive Him. Right? For all that He is. Jesus is Yahweh saves, Lord, and uh, Christ, the Messiah, the long-awaited, anointed King. But there's actually more going on here with this phrase. And I want us to see it. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, inside that concept of receiving Christ Jesus, the Lord, there's more than just this personal, we believe and belong to Jesus. We're connected to Him. Not just union. There's more to it. What actually is being conveyed there is the receiving of a tradition that is passed on from one to another. Commentators pointed out, as I was reading through this, I never saw this on the surface, commentators pointed out that, that basically this, this idea in Christianity also has uh, the, the, its roots, this Jewish idea that tradition was passed on. And meaning the body of truth, the collective sound teaching that came with being a part of the people of God. And so what you see here is not just the, the, the reality that they subjectively, personally believed in Jesus, but they had received 
Something had been passed on to them, and it was a tradition about who he was and what he had done for them. And the Colossian heresy was coming against that. We have a new teaching, a new tradition. You need to rethink the tradition you've heard. You need to accept this new idea, this new teaching. What Paul's saying, no, no, you received the tradition, right? You received Christ Jesus, the Lord. This idea is consistent with Jewish understanding, the passing on from one generation to the other. It's consistent with what we've done in trying to raise up our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, right? But it does come into conflict. It it does clash with our non-traditionalism right away, doesn't it? We don't like tradition. Right? We're, we're non-traditional traditionalists, my uh, professor called it in school. He said that there's almost a tradition now of being non-traditional, which in and of itself is it's what? Its own tradition. Right? We don't like traditions. We're trying so hard to not be traditional. Right? And, and to some degree that is good, especially as Paul's getting at in a moment when it's human tradition. Raise your hand if you reject human tradition as a means of grace. We reject that. Right? We're not bowing the knee in submission to human tradition in and of itself. That's, That's not what we're getting at here. A lot of human tradition can be out of touch. It can be the manipulating of people, the creating of rules and expectations that don't exist in Scripture, and in the end just kind of coming up with some sort of self-righteousness that comes from that. Nobody's advocating for that. But not all postures that are anti-traditional are good. Let's be clear about that. There are certain traditions that we need to fight to the death for. Right? There are certain things that need not change in the church. It's important for us to wrestle with in today when, you know, the new hot thing comes every 15 seconds that would come into conflict and and maybe add to or supplement or contradict the tradition that we have been taught and received in apostolic teaching, the body of truth in the scriptures that have been handed down to us for centuries We need to take comfort in the fact that we do not have a brand new religion. It's ancient. It's old school, right? That's good. It has roots. You know, what's that song? In an age gone plastic, this is classic, right? That's, hey, come on, man. This is classic. I had to throw that in there. It's classic. It's ancient. It's old. It's, that's good. So I don't like old things. Well, let me tell you something. This is truth. It's ancient. It's timeless. It's actually worth something. And so that's what Paul is getting at here. He's talking about a tradition. It clashes with our, with our refusal to embrace tradition. And at the same time, it clashes with our infatuation with novelty. Right? We love things that are new, not old. Marketers have figured this out, right? 
Let's package the same thing in a different way and people will buy it. Why? Because it's new. It's not really new. Matter of fact, most new religious thoughts aren't really new. They're just what? Repackaged. They're old. It's old. But repackaged. Called something different. Come from a different angle. A new charismatic teacher behind it. Whatever the case may be, there is a lot out there that is trying to, what? Add to, supplement, and bring us away from the tradition that we've received about the person and work of Jesus. Paul's saying, don't do that. As you've received it, right? As you've received it. Jesus Christ as Lord is an ancient old tradition that we have received as our own tradition. We entered into that. That's our tradition. That's our heritage. We've been connected to that through faith. It's been implanted in us like a seed. And so that seed that's planted inside of us, you would expect fruit to come from it, right? So as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, we... That's, if that's a foundational reality, if that's a tradition that we've received, it, the expectation is that some sort of fruit is going to come from the seed that's been planted in our soul. So what is it? Well, he says it, right? As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. The one that you received is the one that you need to live in constant submission and union with at all times. You don't need anything different. You don't need to add to it. You don't need to go back. You walk metaphorically, but truthfully, you live. Right? That's what it means to continually live in union and submission, dependency upon the person and work of Jesus. The same one you have received. Live continually in Him. And really, we could stop there. The rest of the book is really an unpackaging of that. Okay, so you say, well, tell me more about that. Well, that's what the rest of the series is really going to be, a telling you more about that. What does it look like for us to walk, to live in Him, to live in a way that is consistent and has integrity with the very Jesus that we have received? Right? Theology gets practical. Right? Uh, theology is practical. Right? It's not impractical. It's not conceptual. We make it that way. We do a bad job with it often. We like to talk about it, put it in the clouds, put it on a piece of paper, argue about it back and forth. But at the end of the day, as Tim sent an email recently, points out that all true teaching and theology and doctrine is one that what? Leads to life. It leads to obedience. So we're not really doing theology if we're not seeing praxis. We're doing something else. We see that. What's happened? So this gospel reality is preceding a, preceding a gospel response. The fruit of it is our life. Every decision, every moment, every interaction, every relationship, every dollar in our pocket, every dream, every thought, Everything, 24-7, 365, until Jesus returns, is all to be a life that is consistent, has integrity with, and in accordance with 
the Jesus we received as Lord. We're to walk in Him. It's a present active. You be walking in Him. It's really what it should... It's awkward. It's why they write it the way they do. But you be continually walking and living in Christ. We're good at starting. We got all excited at camp when the guy pulled out his guitar and played Kumbaya. We were in with Jesus. But when we left camp, something went wrong. Something, something changed. We got derailed. And now we've been scratching our head for years trying to figure out what kind of a decision was that at camp. We start right. Paul's saying the way you start is the way you continue. Really, it's the destination, which we're not even really getting at here in this text. Jesus. Jesus. So this reception of Christ Jesus as Lord leads to our continual living in accordance with and submission to Christ Jesus as such. It's our life. You've received Jesus. Now walk in Him. Right? Continually live in Him. When we truly receive Christ, we continually live in Christ. Period. That's the expectation. That's what the Gospel does. Right? It's not just, I say this often, it's not just a free ticket out of hell. It's a transformed life. Right? And we make so many mistakes and we sin horribly along the way as we await for Christ's return and our glorification, but yet we are continually pursuing right, Him. Walking in accordance with Him. Repenting a lot along the way. But this is what the Gospel does. Much more than take us out of hell. It puts us on a whole new track of life. And it's consistent with the life that we received from Jesus. It's the same life. It's not a different life. Some people say, oh, uh, justification is one thing and, and sanctification is another and glorification is It's all the same faith that makes all those things happen. Right? Piper says the faith that justifies is the same faith that sanctifies. There's not a couple, faith, couple different faiths. It all comes together. So if we embrace Jesus, right, we begin to live in Jesus. If we truly believe in Jesus, we will continually live in submission in accordance with Christ. That's the call. The Colossians were, were struggling. Why? Because the teaching was being poisoned. And for us, it's the same. The teaching, different teaching, different ideas can come in, get into our thought life and into, our, into the way we think and mess with us and derail us. At least that's the intention of it. So how do we walk in Him? What does it look like for us to live continually in Christ? Well, there's some descriptors here. The first one is rooted, and the second one goes with it, built up in Him. So as we're walking in Him, we are rooted and built up in Jesus. Right? Important phrase. We're rooted and built up in Jesus. To be rooted is passive. We are not rooting ourselves. We are being rooted. When we believe in Jesus, guess what God the Father does by the power of the Holy Spirit? 
roots us in the person of Jesus. He does it. By faith, in response to us hearing it, we say yes. And you know what he does? He roots us to the person of Jesus. And and really what's being communicated there is a settled state. It's a done deal. Some cat found a root that was 68 meters deep in the middle of a desert in Africa. 68 meters. 68 meters, right? That's deep. Takes time for that to get there. And so what we're seeing here, there's a, there's a, there's a rootedness that is just immediate. And it's much farther than 68 meters. Where God takes who we are, our eternity, our very identity, and, and connects it. And I love roots because there's life in it. <laughs> it's not just a concept. It's, it's our lives are rooted and united to the person and work of Jesus. It's settled. It's a done deal. So that we, we're walking in Him as we are rooted to Him. We need to be. We won't be walking in Christ if, we're not, if God the Father is not rooted us to Him. Right? The next word is... is um, oh, and by the way, that word is in a tense which basically says it's a past action that's been accomplished, but it has present effects. It's ongoing. So what God has done, settled made happen through our faith, guess what? In the present, His action there is as immediate in this moment effects. So, guess what? What God did when you embraced Christ initially, when He rooted you to Jesus, that act that God did is now having present right here, right now, in this room, on your life. It has present effects. Beautiful to see the activity of God and what it accomplishes in us and for us, right? The next word is built up. This is not the settled, once for all, like rooted. It's a, it's a building up. It's an ongoing process. Again, it's passive, which means we're not doing it. It's being done to us, Right? Walk in Him, being rooted, right? And built up in Him. It's the activity of God. So God has not only done something once for all, but God continues to do something in us and for us by the power of the Spirit to build us up in Christ. We see this in Ephesians 2 where he talks about this, right? That God is building together the people of God. is actively taking his people and building them up. This is is what God does. So you take this rooted and built up, and really in this this time, those phrases together always communicated this idea that a solid architectural foundation has been laid. Right? So in our continual living and walking 
in submission and in accordance with the Jesus that we have received, we are still, again, he's emphasizing our need to have a solid, architectural, divine foundation laid that is connecting us to the person of Jesus. Or we won't be able to be walking in him. We need Jesus. (laughs) Nothing else. So we received him. We need to be rooted and built up in him. Christ alone is that foundation. We don't need anything else. Again, I think I said a couple weeks ago, somebody's going to say, hey, when are we going to move on from the Jesus stuff and talk about seven steps to financial success? Never. We're going to talk about Jesus. And if Jesus bores you, this is not a church for you. It's not going to work. Jesus is the content of our message. He's the content of our... He's the object of our joy and our affection and our submission. We're going to talk about Jesus. Because why? We need to what? We've received Him and we're trying to continually live in Him as we're being rooted and built up in Him. Jesus. So continually living in Christ means being rooted and built up in Christ. That foundation is laid. And God did it. God did it. And is doing it. By the power of His Spirit. I love the next word. He says, established in the faith. So we're rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. Just as you were taught. I love the way one commentator, scholar wrote about what this word is getting at. He said this. He said it's a progressive reinforcement of Christian conviction or trust. A progressive reinforcement of Christian conviction or trust. That is, in our lives, we are being strengthened. We're progressively being reinforced in the faith. Our Christian conviction and trust. That is, over time, we're more tethered. Right? There's this new material, it's some nano-whatever material, that the more you beat the snot out of it, guess what? The stronger it gets. So what happens with us? What does God do as we walk through life? As we receive Him, we have our whole life's foundation built upon Him, we're rooted to Him, we're being built up in Him, and as we're interacting with the body of truth, as we're engaging the body of truth, hearing the apostolic tradition about the person and work of Jesus, guess what is happening? Guess what the Spirit is doing? That even though the world would come at us with hostility, even though circumstances would be hard, and there's a lot of pressure coming at us to be derailed, guess what is happening by the power of the Spirit? Progressive reinforcement. It's getting stronger. That's what the Spirit does. That's what God is doing. (laughs) Gets at this, again, the objective faith. We'd like to talk about our faith. Well, I believe this, and I believe this, and me and Jesus in the woods, we're playing golf. We'd love to talk about that stuff. We're talking about just as you were taught, right? That tradition, orthodox Christianity, old school about Jesus has been taught to you. And you received it. 
You're being rooted and built up in him. You're being strengthened in the faith as you're taught. Can I say something? Some of you guys need to recognize, I do too. We just need to learn. We need to be taught. Many of our issues are because we have not sat and listened and allowed somebody else at a coffee shop, at church, at missional community, or whatever. We refuse. There's a posture of not interested with those who are wiser and have been there before us, and we just don't want to learn, do we? But we need to be taught. And we need to be taught not just how to do this and how to do that, but the faith, right? Jude 3. Contend for the faith that was once handed down and delivered to the saints. The faith progressively reinforced over time in our conviction regarding the body of truth, the apostolic teaching about Jesus. Man, that's our heart here at Renovation. It's our heart with our partner, Missio, that our teaching ministries, our preaching, our truth component, whatever form it takes, our truth component in a missional community, we think and pray and strategize about those things because we recognize that it is deeply related to how we live, right? Theology influences life. Doctrine influences behavior. What we believe objectively about God is going to impact every decision of our lives. And so when we think about these these long, long series in, 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 a, in a London Baptist confession. It's not about that. It's about taking a look at the breadth of Scripture and saying our faith can be progressively reinforced in the faith as we engage it. That's the heart. Man, there's a lot of things that need to get worked out about it as you engage it in a missional community. There's production issues. There's timing issues. We are trying to figure it out. But what I know for sure, that whatever the format is, whatever it's titled or called, we need to be a people that are passionately pursuing for however many years it takes the faith. Not just my faith. Me and Jesus in the woods. The faith. The apostolic teaching. The doctrine of the church. We need to know and understand and wrestle with, be able to give account for what we believe. It's all attached to Jesus being Christ, Lord, and Savior. It's all attached to that, the body of teaching, the tradition that's passed on. It's all about equipping you to live a faithful life of worship. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Paul tells Timothy, these things are inextricably linked. Life and doctrine, the faith, our belief in it, what we know to be true, the teaching we have, been, we have received about Christ, it, it, it's inextricably linked to how we live and the decisions we make. And that when, we, when we're messing up in life, it's we have a distorted theology somewhere. Or at the very least, an inability in our sanctification to meet the requirements that our doctrine holds. But it's still a doctrinal issue. Continually living in Christ means being rooted and built up in Christ. It means being strengthened, progressively reinforced in the faith, just as we have been taught. And finally, 
he ends with this, abounding in thanksgiving. Oh, shoot. Man, I was in. You know, you have, now you're going to tell me I've got to be thankful about all this? You know, for everything, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to that Bible study. I'm going to get involved with that guy. We're going to do this relationship. We're going to study that. We're going to memorize that. Okay, I could do that. But now he went right for the heart, didn't he? Our posture. He went at my contentment level, man. Right? Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding, overflowing, that when the gospel is deposited in our heart, it literally erupts and overflows, and the overflow of that is gratitude. Man, joy. And again, that's a present, active. That's something we are doing. Right? We are actively responding to the work of God in Jesus Christ, to the tradition that's being passed down to us, which is now in us. We've received it. We've responded to that with what? Thank you, Jesus. I think this really gets at the heresy too. Really do. Again, let's. What is gratitude? God, God is more than enough. He's all than I would have ever dreamed. Just His provision in Christ. I don't need anything else. I've got all that I need. I got more than I need. Thank you, God. The heresy saying Jesus is a part of that. But you need a little bit more. He's not sufficient. He's not enough. You've you got to read that book. right? You, this book's great, but you've you got to have this book too. Did you hear this guy's sermons? Then you're really going to grow. Get the idea. This, this is what we do. The newest, coolest, hippest new idea out there about this, that, and the other thing. We run after it. Because it's, it's exciting, because whatever, for whatever, we, we just feel like we need something more, right? Tell me that's not an evangelical problem. We need something more. Jesus is great, but I feel empty. There's got to be something more. And believe me, I've been there, so I'm not trying to be insensitive. But do you see the confusion of that? We have a different Jesus if he's not enough. We're believing in something different. We're confused about who Jesus really is. If we need more than Jesus, we're talking about somebody else. We're not talking about Jesus. We're talking about the guy who does Zumba over at Gold's Gym. There's actually a Jesus that does Zumba at Gold's Gym, I'm just saying. Maybe they call him Jesus, I don't know. But I think it's funny when I ask Doreen if she's going to do Zumba with Jesus. Right? We're talking about a different Jesus. If he's not the all-sufficient don't need anything else, Jesus, right? When we're, with, when we're content with Jesus, He's enough. We don't need anything else to just say, praise the Lord. Thank you, God. So grateful for all that you are. I think the gratitude smacks the heresy in the face. All your goofy teaching about we got to have this layer and that layer. Some of you are in, some of you are out, and this whole 
who knows what thing, the spiritual levels. Fewy. Gratitude in the true Jesus kills heresy. It just does. They got nothing. We got everything we need. We got Jesus. It's a central Christian response to all that God has done in Christ in the gospel. Gratitude. When we truly receive Christ, we continually live in Christ. And friends, I'm not confused. I live in this world. There is a ton of pressure that comes at us from every side to not continue. To stare at the base molding and say, next week. We don't finish. We don't continue what we've started in Christ. There's a lot of pressure. There's cultural values in our society that are shifting and making our traditional values that are rooted in the gospel, those ones I'm talking about, right, are just a little out of touch with reality. I mean, can we really believe that today? So there's pressure to, okay, yeah, I received this Jesus, but it's not making sense anymore. There's pressure to add new thinking, new teaching. There's, there's new social distinctives and priorities. They're out there. We hear about them all the time. And in evangelicalism, in the church, there's a ton of new interpretations about what Jesus really said. Friends, beware of the book out there that says what Jesus really said. Don't read it. Don't. Right? What Paul really meant... Like in the 70s, somebody did something and then they figured it out in the 70s, right? We all know what happened in the 70s, right? Somebody got confused for 2,000 years and all of a sudden, I figured it out. Be very careful of those kind of teaching. Because historic, orthodox, apostolic Christianity is old school doesn't need any help in 2014 doesn't need a new perspective you know what it needs repeated often when we plant churches somebody will say well how's your church going to be different i'll never forget the first time somebody asked me that question how's your church going to be different and i'm like i don't think it's going to be different at all i think it's going to be the same and they're like what do you mean? He's like, well, we're, we hold to the Nicene Apostles' Creed. We believe in Jesus who lived and walked 2,000 years ago. All we're doing is walking in the footsteps of that that's been going on for 2,000 years. We're not trying to do anything different, actually. We're trying to do the same thing. Right? So many guys saying, oh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do di- church a little different. It's like, and every, you know what everybody did? Ooh, I'm in. You know what different meant? No gospel. Many ways. That's what it often meant. Or maybe not the full gospel. Right? You get my idea. Let's be the same. Let's be consistent with apostolic tradition about Jesus and who he is and what he's done. That will save lives. 
There's so much more I could say. Here's the last thing I'm going to say. There's a pressure out there. You know, have you seen it? Right when somebody says, I believe in Jesus, and everybody celebrates. Right after baptism, they come out of the waters. Where'd they go? They'd received Jesus, right? Mark talks about it. Jesus talked about it in Mark chapter 4. That there's a real enemy picking up seeds. Digging up plants. And we're easily distracted by the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, right? There it is. Jesus is enough, but we want something else. We want to add to that. Jesus isn't enough. And so we run after the deceitfulness of riches. We run after the desire for other things. And the seed of the gospel that was planted that we seem to have received is gone. Friends, we need to recognize the fact that we are truly in a spiritual battle in the world. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, all those things in the dark, spiritual forces of darkness. That What, Peretti? Is that the guy that drove a car? Yeah, that's Andretti. Sorry. You get the point. There's a real battle being waged. So given this pressure, internal, external, to let, let us be reminded tonight of who we have received. Let us continually walk in Him. Right? When we believe, we truly receive Christ. We will continually live in Christ. We're going to talk about that the rest of the book. Let's pray. Our Lord, we confess tonight together that we so often run after things just because they're cool and hip and new. Lord, so often our heart, there's something inside of us that says, I mean, I know Jesus, but, but I need this too. A lack of satisfaction as we begin to believe lies from the enemy. A lack of satisfaction wells up inside of us, Lord, but tonight we're reminded of the truth. Ha! We forgot. Jesus is enough. We don't need more than Him. The one that we had received is all uh, that we need. He's sufficient for our growth, for maturity, for our life. And so tonight, we look to You, Jesus. You're our Lord. You're our King. You're our Savior. We pray and we thank You at the same time that You are a God that protects Your sheep from wolves that would cry out new ideas and new concepts and new additions to Christianity and subtraction. We trust in You, the Jesus of the Bible. And in so doing, we know that the Father has rooted us and He's building us up and progressively reinforcing us in the doctrine and the teaching that is sound and scriptural. Do that at renovation, I pray. I pray that we 
You know, we're, we're trying to reach people, Lord. We've been sent up here to reach new people. But may we be a people that are walking in you with integrity and consistency and in accordance with who you are. And Lord, I pray that the world would see that. That they would interact with the true follower of Jesus who represents the true Jesus. And I pray that they would trust in him. Lord, we, we pray and we cry out together that you would save people who do not know you because of our commitment. No matter how much hostility, no matter how much pressure would come against us to do something different or new or to walk away, I pray that we would be perseverant and steadfast in our commitment to Christ and that the world would see that and they'd say, that's legit. And again, it's what you do. We don't do this. We're your instruments. I pray for every person in this room that they would see that they are truly ambassadors. That they're walking, they're living, their continual living in Christ is the proclamation, or at least the, the, the sets the stage for the proclamation of the gospel for others to embrace it. It's them. These folks here in this community, you sent you're going to use. We trust you in that. But Lord, it's, it's only going to come as we continue to walk in Christ. Empower that by your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name.